Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Talk Recorded live. Good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to T25CL, Galaxy Talk Radio. I am your host, Rosalind Jordan-Mills. And welcome to Rosalind's Corner. I always like to tell all my listening audiences out there, look, kick back, let's relax, let's enjoy the show tonight. Because as always, I have a phenomenal guest who's going to be sharing their life experiences and so much that they want to share with the world. And so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you know how I always like to do. I always like to start my show out by letting everyone know about T25CL, Galaxy Talk Radio, T25CL Entertainment. T25CL Entertainment is a great innovative company there where we have global platform for pay-per-view distribution of independent music artists and this has been established for artists around the world. I mean, I invite you, go to our website at www.t25cl.com and view all the great artists, their music, and everything that's taken place within their lives. We had a wonderful concert, United We Stand, that's going to be, the film is uh, being uh, processed in the process of editing right now. So, look, it's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be really, really phenomenal, okay? So, now, all right, so what I want to do, I want to just go ahead out into my show because we have a lot that my guest is going to share with the world today. So, let me give you a little bit of introduction of who he is. Tonight, my guest was the establishmentarian of the New Life Cathedral Church in Jacksonville, Florida, and Brunswick, Georgia. He holds several degrees in theology and a Ph.D. leadership and management from the University of Phoenix. But he has so many accreditations to his name. But in turn, he also received additional e- I'm um, sorry, a training and consecration through a communion of evangelic, evangelic uh, apostolic churches and angelic communion. He is the presiding bishop of the Independent Church Fellowship of Covenant Churches. And I know he has so much that he's going to share tonight, but Bishop Terrence B. Calloway, also serves as the global leader for Global United Fellowship as the Bishop of the Church Development and Revenue, where he is Grace Bishop. And I, hopefully that's still the case. It may be that was uh, a history. But he is a skillful craftsman in theology, linguistics, and hermeneutical studies. And we all know what that is. If we don't know, we're going to definitely have him share with that tonight. Okay? But ladies and gentlemen, Bishop Calloway is a seasoned church planter, and he has done such 
great things and continues to do great things in this world. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want to welcome to Roswell's Corner Bishop Terrence B. Calloway. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a great honor to have you here on my show tonight, and I want I want to give the platform over to you, and I want you to just, you know, feel free to share. I know we're going to have plenty of questions for you. Uh, even for myself, I have plenty of questions for you. My listening audience will have people who are going to call in and have questions for you as well. But I always ask my, my guest, you know, at, at a time in all our lives, and no matter what we're doing at this point in time, there has always been that starting point. So I want you to share with my listening audience tonight exactly where and how it all began for you. Okay, well, um, it all began for me about um, 27, 28 years ago, um, coming straight out of college. Um, had opportunities to uh, actually work uh, in the banking area on the back end, on the corporate side of banking, uh, to learn the ins and outs of finance. Uh, economic development, uh, and housing opportunities. And so I began to utilize uh, every uh, continuing education uh, offering that the institution offered. I began to utilize that uh, and bring them to the ministry and bring them to the, to the church world to crescendo uh, to develop uh, programs and initiatives that uh, – a lot of times that the church was not aware of uh, universally. And uh, we started a, a talk show called You Can Begin Again, and we were sharing with people uh, they could begin again no matter what state of life they were in, uh, what the economic uh, situation was, um, what their criminal background was. We, we just began to uh, open our doors uh, for people to be able to talk and share with be and we use their uh, testimonials as data, as statistical data, to be able to see what were the common denominators in the Christian world, uh, what needs that we need to meet. Um, and we began to try to staff those weaknesses uh, in the body of Christ. And so uh, we believe that the journey, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Um, so that's basically how it started. Uh, just sharing and having an open dialogue, and then we began to uh, implement. After dialogue, we began to do start start initiatives and start implementation, and uh, we've been able to uh, bring a different flavor to marketplace ministry outside of evangelism. We began to do something called economic marketplace ministry. Uh, marketplace ministry was to evangelize those in business and. Uh, and then bring them over to the kingdom of God to show us how to do business. And so we added uh, a word to that called economic marketplace ministry where we began to show uh, the body of Christ and its uh, people that you can have schools, you can have after-school programs, adult day health programs, transportation, organic fresh markets, job development, uh, second chances, those that may have had to run in with the law. Uh, so we began to institute and uh, collaborate and 
a partner with other agencies to get this economic marketplace ministry uh, moving and thriving. It is not what we desire for it to be, but it's a whole lot better than what we had. And so that's kind of the beginning of how we started. Well, you know, I had a question about marketplace ministry. Um, I know that when we when you talk about marketplace ministry, I know that like the purpose of marketplace ministry, you know, is to serve uh, the community and and to partner with churches by connecting after and or providing them with the need or the resources and education and counseling and and the support. Correct. Yes, uh, it, it matriculated into that initially. Marketplace ministry, the the uh, original uh, foundation, which is still still is. Uh, in effect today was to reach those lost souls in business and bring them to the kingdom of God and so they can sharpen the body of Christ as the scripture says, iron sharpens iron. And as that began to happen, uh, pastors with global vision and members with global vision began to understand that uh, we had to be, just like the sons of Israel, we had to be women and men of the time. And so it matriculated into uh, economic development opportunities, uh, social opportunities, counseling opportunities. So it began to matriculate. It was like uh, a car uh, uh, that matriculated with a GPS system. Um, And so over the last 25 years, Marketplace Ministry has transcended it into something uh, more broader than just evangelism. And so, yes, you are correct. That's where it is now. But the previous foundation was it started off as an evangelism uh, tool just to witness and to reach those in the business sector. Well, the, when, well, uh, what I'm trying to see here is: Are you not still using that as an evangelistic tool, though? We we still do. Yes, yes. Uh, the per, the first the first thing to, to believe it, the Bible says, "He that wins his souls is wise." So yes, mm-hmm. it is still it is still. Uh, the main focus is to reach those in the marketplace uh, to come over into the kingdom of God, and that is correct. Yes, we still we still use we still go to the marketplace uh, and present ministry those opportunities. But having said that, uh, we reach a lot of Zacchaeuses there. They come down out of this sycamore tree, and we go to their houses, and and they pay what they owe every man, and then they open up other opportunities. Uh, because they are saved. So, yes, you are right. Mm, yeah, and that, I mean, that is such a, a phenomenal tool. But in today's society, and you talk about, you know, the economics and um, uh, individuals who are out there in the business sector, um, so many people out there who are very successful um, but still are lost. Um, do you or have you found that people who are really, you know, very rich or very well-to-do, do you find it very hard to really reach out to them? I mean, I know you, I know you go to different types of businesses. What type of businesses do you reach out to, uh, and how do you make that connection uh, in order to uh, make the, 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 the tie? Well, I personally uh, reach out to a lot of investors. Um, I reach out to uh, those that were in the industry that are in the industry that I came out of, and so I know the language, I know the culture. Uh, so it's comfortable 
and uh, it's well received when we open up and have a dialogue. Um, and as no, it's not hard. Um, I think the Bible says that Ezra was a ready scribe, and so when you're ready and you're attentive to to, to the market that you're trying to reach, um, they'll listen to you. You you have to use wisdom on approaching it. Uh, I there's there's a a rich gentleman that I know we're personal friends to this day, and he said he never had any respect for any pastor, and. Uh, he and I are the best of friends that we can share about the Word of God. Uh, he doesn't attend service, but he's closer. He's closer to coming to the Lord than he's ever been. Uh, in fact, I don't have to bring it up. He brings it up. So, mm-hmm. no, it's not hard. It's not hard to reach those in the marketplace if you're familiar with the language and familiar with the culture. You have to identify the king's language in every culture, mm-hmm. and it opens the door for dialogue. Opens the door for trust. Uh, I know where they stand, I know where I stand, and we have a mutual respect. And it always ends up to be a, a fruitful relationship for the kingdom of God. Uh, because all, my job is only uh, to plant the seed. Uh, only God can give the increase. And I believe that no no seed that is planted by the kingdom of God will die. I believe that that seed will come to fruition. It will germinate, and that soul will be saved. I really believe that. Oh, amen. Uh, and that's what's key because I, I see because of your, first of all, your expertise in the field that you are able to go into almost any business and be able to first bring up the economic, uh, um, you know, strategy that you want, that you're trying to develop with that business, with that company, with that individual, with that CEO or whomever that you are reaching out to, that you're able to first uh, come to their level, and I think that's what's key there as well, that you are coming to their level, and then they already know about you and what you want to share, and there's a common ground there. And I think right. that's what's key as well, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Thank you. Great, great. Okay, we have uh, a few callers on the line. We have uh, uh, quite a few questions on the chat board. But first of all, you know, I want to bring in my sister all the way from Atlanta. Um, Miss Sandra, are you there? (laughs) I am. I am. It's so good to be, um, to join you today, Roz, and and, um, Bishop Calloway and, you know, I was listening to you talk about all his degrees and stuff, and I've known him for maybe about a year or two, and I'm like, whoo, I don't know this person at all. <laughs> I couldn't hear him all. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's a pleasure to be on, yes. So let me ask you this. How did you come to meet Bishop? Well, actually, um, I call myself the the network queen, and I believe I met Bishop on Facebook. And um, the things that he was saying, um, it touched my heart. It was um, also my heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we immediately, um, you know, we immediately connected. And, um, you know, then we exchanged numbers and we started talking, and I felt like I've known him for a very long time. 
And, you know, sometimes you have a passion about something and then you feel like you are the only one. And hearing the things that um, was near and dear to Bishop's heart, then I was like, I'm not the only one, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was, so so we just immediately connected. Um, but when you talk about the marketplace, um, ministry and even with bishop degrees and going into business places and um, whatnot, it's such a wonderful balance because sometimes, you know, because years ago, and I was raised in the church, I've been in the church since I was a child, okay? You know, grandparents were saved, great-grandparents and what have you. And the church never got involved so much with the business side. So it's really wonderful hearing him, you know, talk about the business side and going into the business area and, you know, doing wonderful things and, you know, balancing it off. Because years ago, it it was almost like if you were rich, you were sinful. You know, you had to be poor and humble to be holy. You see, so this is a wonderful, um, this is something wonderful that Bishop is doing. Um, but I wanted to really reflect on the marketplace ministry because there are so many souls in the marketplace. While churches are fighting and doing all these crazy um, antics to get other people's members and stuff. You know, there are so many places. I tell people right now I'm pastoring the church without walls. The marketplace is my focus right now because there are so many people wanting to know. There are so many people hungry. Like the scripture said, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. And people are out there hungry for God, hungry for the word, hungry for love. You know, mm-hmm. while uh, and and you know while the church is like um, we're losing that power. We 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 are just involved in other things, you know, and, okay. and we're losing the power. Uh huh. Yes, that now see you're hitting on something very key, and I want you to hold that thought because we have several questions on the chat board and a caller calling in from New York. But I want you to hold on to that thought because that has been an issue for a number a number of years. Is is the church? losing its power, reaching the community. But let's go to these questions because i got a question on the chat board, and it says, with black people, and I'll direct this to Bishop, with black people suffering economically in the U.S., they say, is religion a necessity? And I don't think it's so much religion that we need, more so of a, a relationship with God. So what is your answer to that, Bishop? Well, the scripture says that pure religion, Pre-religion is undefiled. So I think what has happened is that we westernize the word religion because the scripture says there's nothing wrong with religion if it's pure religion. Uh, And so uh, we have a new language and a new culture about religion, and we have a lot of uh, negative uh, connotations from even from believers and non-believers and musical and gospel artists saying, you know, I'm not religious. But I think when we understand the context of religion, because mm-hmm. if you don't understand the content, mm-hmm. you'll always have confusion about the context. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the scripture says pure religion is undefiled. That's what it says. It, 
It's nothing. It's clean. It's pure. So I think that the problem is is that oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes in certain areas, in private communities and blighted communities, that sometimes the church has not shown its light and it's under the bushel and the light is not shining, where people can come out of their dark circumstances and their situation. And I think that we lack holistically as a body oftentimes being able to be able to cross over and cross-pollinate with the people that are in our community because your church is no greater than your community. People don't understand that every parishioner in a church comes from a community, whether it be the west side, the south side, the east side, or the north side. Our ultimate goal is to get them all over on the lower side. And Mm -hmm. we have to... And we have to have we, we have to have systems. We have to have programs. We have to have things to offer people uh, besides Bible study and Sunday morning worship experiences. Jesus was profound. The profundity of his presentation was very key because Jesus always met some type of physical need to matriculate to the spiritual need. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite passages is when he went to the pool of Bethesda. And and this man had been there 30 and 8 years, had an affirmative for 38 years. And Jesus asked him, will you be made whole? And he said, Lord, I want to explain something to you. And the first thing he began to do is share with Jesus that for 38 times he tried for 38 times. And someone always got in the pool before him and got to healing before he could. But he let Jesus know that I've been putting forth the effort. And if you notice, Jesus never rebuked him for what he said. Jesus became a psychiatrist and a psychologist and a counselor. He listened to him. And we can't meet people's needs until we listen to them. Mm -hmm. Even Jesus listened. He allowed this man to go through his whole life story. And after Jesus listened to him, he told him, he said, take up your bed and walk. And the man took up his bed and he walked. And he rejoiced and he praised the Lord. And I think sometimes as a church, I think sometimes we're more institutionalized than we are relational. Uh, and we have to be very relational. Jesus was very personal. He was very relational. And his mother had that much confidence in him until she said, Jesus, we're out of wine. And, and he said, if you don't understand, mother, I want to tell you something, that when I do my first miracle, it starts to clock the cavalry. Yeah, and, and she was and she was so confident because she said, "Whatever he says to you, just do it." And he mm-hmm. told him to get. He told him to pour water, and they thing when they pour water, it was wine instantly. So I think we have to understand that we have to be able to meet people's sociological needs as well as their spiritual needs. That's a drawing card. We have to compel all men to come. And so I think religion is going to play a great part in the next ten years in the Western Hemisphere. I believe that. I believe I believe that religion is going to play a great part. Pure religion. Okay. Uh, I mm. I think sometimes Christ has been misrepresented by those who say they represent Him, so it makes the struggle a little a little hard. But we have the authority and we have the power to do so. 
Yes, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, you're here at T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio here with Bishop Terrence B. Calloway uh, and my sister Sandra Velasquez, all calling from Atlanta, Georgia. We have a caller holding on from Washington, D.C., but we have a caller calling from New York. Caller, give us your name and where you're calling from. Call uh, you uh, yes, uh, this is Alex. I'm calling in. Hi, Alex. Great to have you back. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> um, very happy to hear uh, Bishop Kelly on the line. Great, great. Well, what is your question or a comment? Um, well, I was listening, and, and I, I think he's been on your show before um, as a listener. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so my question to him was, um, what what does he think the church's responsibility um, to today's um, to the environment today uh, with uh, what's going on in this, this country today as it relates to um, us as a people? Okay, um, my personal opinion. Is, this is my personal opinion. I think that we, as a body of Christ, and let me start with leaders first. Uh, before I charge uh, parishioners and members, I think we as leaders have gotten so lost in in being personality-driven until we don't understand that the Lord is not our driving force anymore. I think that we don't recognize that we have the Samson syndrome that we are shaking ourselves, but we wish not that the Lord has departed with a lot of our uh, initiatives. And I think that we're in a poor and a sad condition as far as our people are concerned with our leaders. Uh, I think some of our leaders, not all, but some of our leaders, uh, we as leaders have lived off the, the backs of our parishioners and we have stepped on their backs to maintain a certain platform in our own personal livelihood, and we haven't taken the humble approach oftentimes to carry our people to where they need to be. We're not visible, and when you're not visible, you're not viable. We have to be more visible than our TV shows and our radio stations. And when superstars are coming to town, we have to be visible visible in one home at a time, one community at a time. And I think that a lot of our problems, uh, at least 60 to 70% of our problems in our local community as a people has something to do with the lack of leadership. And uh, we should be criticized. We should, we should be alienated oftentimes based upon we have not built any trust holistically as religious leaders in our own community. Uh, We're so distant from the perils and the reality of things. Uh, I will name them criminal justice system, the game, Uh, a lot of the the black-on-black crime. We're just sitting back. We're just sitting back saying the Lord's going to work it out. But the scripture says faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that uh, 
that's going to be an insurgent, and I think that's going to be an insurgent with a, I think that's going to be a revolt real soon with our young people. And I believe that the Lord is going to raise some young leaders up. And they may not be the traditional pulpiteers that we know. Their pulpit is going to be the streets. Their pulpit is going to be uh, for justice, for change, uh, not only socially but spiritually. And I think that God's going to raise up some uh, unconventional warriors like David. And they're going to be after God's own heart, and we won't be able to institutionalize them to our standard and to our limited and minuscule and minute way of doing things. Yeah, and I, and, uh, and I wanted to um, really um, interject in here, Pastor, I mean, Bishop, because what um, mm-hmm. Sandra was saying as well is, is the power. Has the church today lots the power to really reach. I mean, it, like it seems like it's, it's it's so diminished. Uh like you said, everybody's looking at the, looking for the superstar, looking for, you know, uh what can be done uh, monetarily wise instead of really reaching out to the community. And um there's a question on here that that really ties into this because it says, um, why are there so many variations of Christianity and which one is right and why all the confusion? And I think because we have the different dogmas and the different, you know, um, 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 churches that are, you know, Christianity, but under different, you know, Lutheran, Protestant, um, and the different ones that we have, um, but has the power been lost within the church itself? Well, I'm not going to say that the power has been totally lost in the church. I think that we have a lot of powerless leaders. And because God has no shortage of anything. But I think that Satan is highly profiling and publicizing our weaknesses. And he's making, he's bringing us up over the shame with the hottest thing on television now. Uh, and I think that the leaders that should be out front, we don't cater to them because sometimes they're not big enough. I have a personal friend in Chicago that's doing an excellent job in his community. And uh, he's being ostracized by a lot of religiously just saying that, you know, you can't be too much on social justice, but I don't understand. Uh, Jesus came to free the oppressed. And you got to have a balanced ministry. And I think that our leaders, our biggest problem, I think we as leaders, let me include myself in that, I think we as leaders have given the Lord's church and religion a bad brand. And so it would appear that we have been rendered powerless because Satan really doesn't take us seriously anymore in the community. Mm. Because of all the negative press, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, they were print up with clubs when the clubs would have dances and have a special guest in, they would print up what they call club flyers. There are a lot of club flyers on the street about us. There's a lot of press about us, but it's not good press. Uh, 
And so I think that God is using that as a wake-up call for us to get us where we need to be. Yes, yes. Yes, thank you, Pastor. Uh, I can't, why don't you keep calling you Pastor? But yeah, I, I, I am a pastor, so that's fine. Good, good. We have a caller calling in all the way from Washington, D.C. Caller, give us your name and where you're calling in from, and what is your question or comment for Bishop Terrence? You there, caller? Okay, maybe they are just listening. That's okay. That's all right. Let's go back to these questions because uh, I have several on here um, that, that that are being asked to you, and even maybe our sister Sandra can answer these as well. It says, uh, which religion is the true religion and why? Which one is the true religion? Mm-hmm. Which religion is the true religion and why? The gospel is the gospel is the true religion, and the reason why is because Paul put it this way: He said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth." To the Jew first, to the Greek, uh, to the barbarian, it was all inclusive to whatever person uh, believed. So the gospel is the true religion. Notice I didn't say Christianity. I said the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christianity or Christians derive from the people at Antioch calling the believers Christian. Uh, and so out of that, uh, Peter dealt with it from this respect, any man suffer as a Christian, and you know, Assembly always uses the word like or as for comparison. And Peter said, if you get that label, he, he told us what we needed to do. However, I don't think that uh, Jesus was a Christian, and I know this is going to be a little broad. I think Jesus was who he was. He was the son of God. He was God in the flesh. And I think as a believer, uh, it's okay if you want to use the term Christian, but uh, Christianity uh has been so divided in so many sects of religion, of religion, I think that we just should understand that the gospel is the true religion. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, no other religion has changed the lives of people like the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this is not an apologetic theological form at this time, but <laughs> I mean, the, proof, the, the proof is in the pudding. Yes. The proof is in the pudding. And so uh, a, a gentleman asked me one day, he said, why do you choose? He said, why, do you, why are you saved? Why do you consider yourself a Christian? Why do you say you're saved? I said, I choose to believe in Jesus. It's my choice. And uh, it's a choice that every one of us makes. No matter what religion, we make that choice. But the choice I made has been always good to me. And it's been good for me. It's been good for me when I, I know when I didn't know it was good. And so I choose to believe in this God. Mm. I choose to live the lifestyle of this God. Yes, yes, yes. Amen, Bishop. Well, you know that I want to tie this in to because uh, when we were talking about because Jesus was not a Christian, right? Because 
Christian to, to to be a Christian is to be Christ like. Right. So Christ like can't Jesus couldn't be Christ like because he was Christ. Right. Um, when we talk about it, and then I'm going to have a, a Sandra share as well. But there was a question says prior to slavery, what religion were we as black people in West Africa? There's well, there have been several. There have been several studies on that. Uh, uh, scholars have, have debated that it, it was Islam. Uh, I've heard that quite often, but according to a lot of ancient studies, I'm just saying my independent studies, along with a couple of Harvard and Yale professors, um, when you deal with the Moors, the famous Moors, uh, it was believed that uh, Solomon, he and Bathsheba, I'm sorry, not Bathsheba, he and the Queen of Sheba, Queen of Sheba. Had, a son, had a son by the name of Menelik. Mm-hmm. And the reason why Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon uh, and Ecclesiastes is because he was heartbroken because when she found out she was pregnant, she went back to her kingdom because she said she wanted her child, the heir to her throne, to rule over her nation and to tell them about the God of Abraham Isaac and of Jacob. So historians say as Menelik was born, uh, there was a, a religion called, instituted called the Thalus Moros. And they, they're in Africa to this day. Thalus Moros are there to this day. And uh, they, would, they, would, they, they practice Judaism. Uh, they follow Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And it is believed that they follow, I'm not going to say Christianity because it wasn't Christianity in those days, but they follow uh, Judaism as they knew it, and as uh, Christ came, they believed in it. So uh, there are many religions that were in Africa uh, outside of uh, the gospel uh, because other nations migrated and traded with Africa, and they introduced other uh, theories. Uh, But from an ancient perspective, it's always said that uh, the famous Moors dominated religion prior to the, even the institution of Islam. Uh, and so that is my answer, according to the studies that I've, I've, I've completed. Well, you know, there's a question, because I want to tie this question in it as well, because from a historical, I mean, from a historical standpoint, are the books of the Bible, and this is a question, a recantation of Eastern, of East African history? There's a question. I can't, I can't honestly answer that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe it is. That's just my personal uh, hermeneutical answer. I, I don't. I don't believe. It. Yes. 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 Um, okay. Well, uh, um, let me see. Alex, you're still there, right? Uh, yes, I'm still here. Okay, you're still listening. Okay, but well, I want to go ahead to this uh, point um, with um, uh, uh, Sandra because I know you you had a point there as well. Okay, uh, you're. Are you speaking to me? Yeah, I'm speaking to. Uh, let me speak to uh, Sandra first, and then I'm come back okay. to you, Alex. Okay, okay. Sandra, are you there? Uh-oh, did we lose her? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I hope she didn't get connected. 
All right, but go ahead, uh, Alex. Alex, what is your comment on this? Because um, I'm good. No, no, because you were you were asking if there were religions prior to um, the uh, Christian and uh, Judaism, right? Well, the question was prior to slavery, what religion were we as black people in West Africa? And um, and, and Bishop was expounding on you know the Moors and how um, you know the Islam and everything was tied in together there, right, uh, Bishop? Yes. Right. So, I mean, from what I understand, I think the religions that we um, had in Africa were related to nature. I think a lot of it was to nature, to the sun, um, which is uh, Ra, I think it is. And, yes, that's um, correct. Right. And then when uh, we were introduced through col- uh, colonialism, that's when we were introduced to the uh, to Christianity. And it I think a lot of the young people today, just my opinion, and I'll finish with that, is uh-huh. that because Christianity was introduced at that point in our history um, in such a negative way, why is it that us as black people who were introduced to this religion in this particular way, um, why do we hold on to it? And, you know, that's, that's I think a lot of us have that thought today. I agree. Mm-hmm. I do agree. And, and i like to add to what you said. Uh, I get that all the time. I lecture uh, at several institutions and colleges around the country, and I get that all the time. However, what I, what I deal with them on is, again, when content is misunderstood, it's always taught out of context. Uh, I do understand that the King James range is not the way they talk in those days. I don't right. understand that. But however, right. what I do what I do understand is is that uh, when you deal with the, Sept, the Septuagint and you deal with the Dead Sea Scrolls, you deal with all of these uh, books of the Bible, and even some that are not uh, that were not canonized. And mm-hmm. you go and you go you go to these ancient cities that Jesus cursed. Uh, there had to be some relevance to it, uh, and when you deal with it, you know. There was a scripture that talks about the Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, he got saved, and he built churches. Uh, there's a lot of history that was not put in the scriptures right. because of the ethnicity of the people. And 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 if we be honest, you know, and right. this 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 is this is and I, and I was, you know, I was taught in white, predominantly white Ivy League schools, but from a historical perspective. Everybody in the scripture basically was the same color. What made what made a nationality was actually the tongue, the, the native tongue that they spoke in. They never had a skin issue. It was right. always, even when you go back to Moses' wife, the Poria, uh, that, that when Aaron and uh, uh, his sister uh, uh, Miriam spoke out against her, it had nothing to do with the, the color of her skin. It had something to do with that they had been, you got to understand, she was the closest, the Ethiopian, when you deal with Egypt, you deal with Egyptians, you understand the historicity of it. That's how they were, they were oppressed at one time, even by the Ethiopians. So they didn't want, you know, they were like, you, you're marrying our enemy. It had nothing to do with skin color, because they were all the same skin color. Yeah, she so, yeah Moses' wife was a Kushite. Yeah, and they were all the same color. 
Yeah, they, they were all the same color. So it, the, the native tongue dictated the nationality because everybody mm-hmm. was the same color. If you go into Africa now, everybody's dark skin, or, or the Ethiopian may be a little light, but everybody's black, you know, basically. And what I'm saying is when you deal with it from, from content, then you can understand the context. And so I would understand why this younger generation is, a, is opposing what we call Christianity. I do understand that. Now, when I say I understand, I'm not saying that I agree. I just say I understand where they're coming from. And right. So, I, but I don't, I don't think that – I think the way um, – I'm going to speak for myself. I think that sure, sure. I, I oppose uh, Christianity, but I don't oppose the fact that we were created. So, I mean, I do gotcha. believe that we have a creator. I just right. don't know if it's the name that it's given. You understand what I'm saying? And, and yeah, everybody, yeah, yeah. And you're right. You're yeah, right. Every, everybody mm-hmm. has, you know, has to believe in a creator because we can't just get here. So, I mean, I think right. I think that a lot of people believe that. I just don't mm-hmm. think that we want to follow the same guidance, maybe. And I think that's where we reject it. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, I definitely agree with that. Because um, when you get into linguistics and morphology and you get into transcribing and transliteration, you know, a lot of times people will be mesmerized what you come up with in the scripture. But dealing with this, let, let me deal with this as far as religion as a community, uh, dealing with religion as a community. Well, I'm like this. If there's an Islamic group helping, that, helping a community, I understand that the creator can use whoever he desires to bless people. That's what I believe. I don't believe that uh, God can't use a person because maybe they're Islamic or they're Buddhist. I think God can use any creation that he desires for his glory because it's all it's all for his glory. Uh, at the end of the day, I think there's going to I think that I believe that the Lord the Bible says salvation is once appeared unto every man. I think every man will be introduced to God himself through the person of Jesus Christ. That's just my personal belief. And so uh, I can eat the fish and spit out the bone. Uh, a lot of people can't do that. I can join along with my Islamic brothers and uh, walk along with them in the streets for the sake of the cause. And I think that we have to come out of our box uh, and stop being so uh, territorial. And, you know, we're, we're very territorial not to have any territory. Mm, come on. And so uh, the Bible says Isaac and Ishmael came together and they buried their father Abel, Abraham. And uh, and they they left in peace. And we have to understand how to, how to do that and we're going to be affected uh, from a religious perspective in our community. Thank you so much. All right. Thank okay. you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. No okay. problem. Yeah, we have uh, some very interesting questions here that I want to pose to you. Is Sandra there? I hope we didn't lose her. Uh, okay, that's all right. Um, uh, the question was, um, do you believe in your heart of hearts that the Bible is factually accurate from Genesis to Revelations? Um, I can answer that one, but go ahead, Bishop. I'm going to let you answer that one. I don't believe that. Let me say this. Everything in the Bible, I believe, is true, but everything in the Bible is not true. 
T-R-U-T-H. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you why I say that. When you deal with, uh, I think it's in Hebrews when it says that we were made a little lower than the angels. Uh, that word angel is in italics. So that means that that word was changed. The original word was Elohim. We were made a little lower than God himself because the angels watch over us. They work for us. Even Satan misquoted a scripture to Jesus. It was true that Satan said what he said, but it wasn't the truth based upon what we see in scripture, what the scripture he quoted, he left out upon. And so I don't think that everything in the scripture is true. I think everything in there is true, but it's not true. And I, I believe that I believe that there are some that there are some things that have been uh not transcribed right. I think some things were added because, uh, you know, man, you know, put it together in bullshit. And so where there are people, there will all be, always be errors, there will be problems. But I think that holistically, I think that it's enough foundation in there for me to continue the walk I've had with them all. And I think that uh, it, has, it hasn't been the best one, but it hasn't been the worst one. I always say I'm not God's best son, but I'm not his worst one either. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think, every, I think, I believe this, that whatever, there may be something that we may be misled on, that God has a way of straightening it out, that he won't hold it to our charge. That's what I believe. Yes, yes. And and that was, that's key, too, because the question was asked was how many books are in the Bible and how many are missing and why. I know that the, even with the, the, the Bible itself, there were some additions put on uh, uh, chapters. There was a whole chapter uh, put in one of the books in the New Testament. Um, there were a few changes that was done in the New Testament because during the time of, from the King James, the original King James, to the New King James, the, uh, the NIV, the American Standard, you have all the variations of the Bible, and of course there's going to be a lot of things missing. Uh, with the King James, there was uh, there had, was a, a, an historical uh, fact-finding uh, mission regarding the actual um, establishment and putting the Bible together chapter by chapter. We know that the Old Testament um, and the New Testament is not in chronological order. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the fact is <clears throat> that how the Bible was put together, you know, the New Testament, I know that there are some um, um, uh, actual books that had chapters and verses actually added on. After the the uh, you know King James, so even from the from the variations, you know, like you say, uh, Bishop, uh, it's true but not truth. And that is very, Kevin, that's very key to understand um, uh, about the Bible and about the books and why are there some missing and why are they missing, you know? Right, right. Exactly. And you know, Roz, Roz, the Sandra, um, the scripture said, you know, to search the scriptures for an it, you think you find truth. You know, there is truth in the word of God. Yes, we know that some, all of it is not there, and we know some have added on, you see. But like um, Bishop is saying, that you can get a good foundation from that, you know. Um, it is enough there for us 
to be Christ-like is enough there for us to grow from faith to faith and from glory unto glory. It's enough there. Some, and, and, you know, sometimes I wonder why, you know, uh, uh, folks, people, um, we, we're not taking what we see, but we're looking for what we don't see. You see, try and, and, and take what you have there and prove it and work it in your life. The Bible says you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You work it out, you find out there's truth in there. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes even, you know, um, you know, stretching it a little bit, sometimes I look today, seem like we have so much knowledge but less power. You see, so much knowledge but less power. I have never seen prayer lines like I have seen today. And people are getting on prayer lines, praying on prayer lines, but when they get off the prayer lines, they don't have a prayer life. You see, when you don't have the prayer life, you're going to be lacking in the power. So what I try to do, I try to take the word off the pages of the Bible, and I try to hide it in my heart. And like David said, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, take what you have and work it in your life, and the excitement will come in because you would find out that God is real and the word of God is true. You mm-hmm. see, and, and sometimes I, I have known in the past I'm studying and I'm looking and saying, okay, this don't add up here, you see, and because of the Holy Spirit, the Bible said the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and because of the Holy Spirit, he comes and he gives the revelation of what it really is. You know, I remember, you know, and, and so you take what he gives you. I remember sitting in the church one day and the pastor who is an anointed man of God, I mean, I see, I've seen him pray for people, legs stretch out and different things. I mean, before my very eyes, awesome man of God. And while he was preaching, he said, you know, uh, the, some folks say it was a, a, a whale that swallowed Jonah, but the Bible didn't say a whale, it said a great, a great fish. So I flipped in my Bible and I showed the lady next to me. I said, what that say? It said a whale. She was like, oh, my God. I said, he's a good preacher. It just means that you have to study your word yourself. So what I'm saying is, the Holy Spirit will come, come in and give us revelation of the word of God. And when he comes in and he enlightens us and he gives us revelation, take that word. Why would you go? And, and, of course, we have, you know, Bible scholars and people want to, you know, go and look for the books of the Bible that are not in there and whatnot. And then they say, you know, Dakes was prejudiced and what have you. With the Holy Spirit, when you search the scriptures with sincerity and truth, and the Holy Spirit as our teacher comes in to teach us, we will get truth and we will have something that we can stand on and we can walk in that power. So when we go out in the marketplace and we meet these, these hungry people, you know, we would not come up short. And when we offer them Christ, it will be very, very hard for them to reject the price that we offer them. Okay. Now so, again, I am totally excited about what's happening here tonight because this needs to be heard. Okay, but we, we have a, a, um, a, a question here because we're differentiating true and truth. 
And one uh, um, question on the chat board says, true but not truth. Now do you see why the young people are so confused and the Christian church is declining? Will you please expound so this uh, 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 individual will understand the difference of what we're trying to expound in when we talk about it's true but not truth? Yes. Um, You know, perception is always greater than reality. And so... uh, when your when your perception when you perceive something to be a, a certain way it becomes reality to you even though it may not be even it may not even exist and so people perceive things different ways now I can understand uh, when I said the word true versus truth I can understand that's a, that's a very broad and a very mature statement. Uh, it, it almost sounds generalistic and, and contra, controversial and contradictory, but let me give you an example. It is true that there were slaves in the Bible. It is true. No if and buts about uh, Old Testament and New Testament, there were slaves in the Scripture. It is true. But it is not true that it was justifiable for the slavery that happened in America. And I want you, to, I want everyone to kind of listen to me what I'm saying, what I'm making is that word "doulos," slave or bond servant in the Greek. These people actually were slaves because they worked off debt. In the Old Testament, there were wars, and they would take people. They would take people and they would hold them into slavery like they had the uh, children of Israel under the reigns of Pharaoh. They had conquered these people. They had them working, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this came from war. Uh, That particular Pharaoh had dominated uh, the province of that world. And white slave owners in America justified that and said that this is difficult to have slaves, but the culture was different. There was a battle for territory, and God had a plan through all of that. So it was true that it was slavery in the scripture. But to say it was truth and this is what God wanted is not true. And so, again, everything in the Bible is true. What was said, it is true that Satan said what he said, but it wasn't the truth that he said. And maybe this statement is a little too broad for, for some people, but my take on it is that we as leaders and we as parishioners and, and, and Christians or believers or whatever you label yourself as, uh, believe in the gospel, we lack the intelligence to be able to rightly divide the the word of truth, because we haven't spent any time learning the truth. Uh, let me put it this way. It, when I was in public school, only American history I know is that these English settlers, settlers came to America and they dominated this land, and, they, and it was beautiful. They made America beautiful. I didn't learn about the slaughtering of the Indians. I didn't learn about the genocide of the Indians. I didn't learn much about slavery in school. It was true what they taught me, but everything they taught me wasn't the truth. 
you kind of got you kind of understand what I'm saying? Correct. They they taught us a lot of stuff. It was true that they taught us this stuff, but everything they taught us was not the whole truth, and nothing but the truth will help us go. Mm-hmm. It is true that every dominant European image and figurative of, of Jesus himself was this white gentleman with blue eyes and white skin. That's true. But according to Revelation, it is never the truth. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, you're here at T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio. Here we're talking about a very, very heavy topic here. And it's we're just being enlightened and informed. And I know our listeners <clears throat> are having plenty of questions. I've gotten a number of questions on the chat board. Hopefully we can get to most of the questions that are up here on the chat board. Um, but there's a question also um, we were talking about, um, you know, our origin uh the question was, since we were Muslim in Africa before our departure from our home, shouldn't we return back to what we were? But were we all Muslims in Africa? I don't believe that we were all anything in Africa. There were so many sects, and there are a lot of ancient texts that disprove that all of Africa were Muslims. Uh and there's texts that disprove that all Africa was Christian or whatever, you know, the label that we get. There were many religions over in Africa. So to say that we should return to one or the other, uh, I think would be an unfair statement uh, to say, okay, we need to return to this, uh, you know. So where did Islam come from, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are texts that disprove that uh, Islam was before Christianity, as we call it. There, there are some that say Islam came after Christianity. Uh, I'm going to stick, I've made a choice to believe what I believe, and I'm going to stick with that. And so what I'll say is that to any individual, you're not my enemy if you don't believe what I believe. Uh, that's my job. Uh, I'm up for the challenge. And uh, I would hope that we would believe that there is a God, there is a Son, and there is a Holy Spirit. I would hope that we would believe. I think the Bible says that the invisible things of God are clearly seen through the things which are made. You can see them in the trees. You can see them in this. You can see them in that. You can see them in individuals. So uh, I won't be bold enough to say that we should all return to Africa and become Muslims because there's a text that says there were particular groups in Africa that were that were Muslims that they believed in Islam. I, I, I'm just not at liberty to say that. Uh, what I will say is that uh, I believe that we have been mishandled as a people. But I believe at the end of the day, even when I was in school, I knew something wasn't right about history. I knew something something just wasn't right. And I think that God put some biological clock in every man, that spiritual, spiritual clock in every man, to let he, him know, or let the woman know, her know, that something's missing. And I think the Lord will fill that void. And uh, I think he will lead and guide us into all truth. That's what I believe. 
Okay, very good. Okay, there's some more questions on here that's a, that uh, are really, uh, you know, hitting at, at the very heart of, of, of um, just religion as a whole because a question was asked, if the Bible isn't African history, where was Jesus, Moses, and Solomon, etc.? Because Jesus was born in Ethiopia, learned in Egypt, how can we say that the Bible is not African history? Well, I've never said that the Bible wasn't African history. I've never said it's not African history. What I'm saying is, I I don't want to be misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying saying is, I believe, all the way up until the New Testament, until you get to Asia Minor, and you look at at the travels, everything happened on the continent of Africa, outside of the Romans, coming over coming over into Israel and Jerusalem and taking over the province. And and, and uh, that's when European doctrine came into uh, biblical chronology, if you, if you allow me to be free to say it that way. You know, Pilate and these people, they were Roman. They were Italian. And they came over and conquered uh, certain provinces and because uh, most all of your heritage in the scripture were black men. Most people don't know that they were they were they were all black. The heritage, uh now the Romans were Italian. They were olive skinned men, and they got their olive skin from the Moors when the Moors conquered. There's so much history uh, that's not in chronology uh, that hurts us, but I believe and I'll say this again, I'll repeat myself again, that almost 90 to 100% people in the scripture were the same skin complexion. It's very obvious because Naaman was uncomfortable having leprosy. And the prophet Elijah told him to dip in the Jordan seven times. Jordan was a cesspool. That's where all the waste went. He was insulted. But after the seventh time, the Bible says his skin cleared up and his color came back. And then his servant, uh, Gehazi, lied to Naaman and said, my master, you offered him money. He said, he'll take that money and everything you were going to give him for healing. And by the time he got back to the prophet and got those things, he said, the Lord revealed to me what you've done. He said, you're going to be stricken with the same mm-hmm. leprosy that Naaman had. He said, this is what he said. He said, your skin will be white as snow. And secondly, so shall your seed be forever without blemish. Now, I got a question. If Naaman or Gehazi was already white, how could they turn whitest? That's a good question. I knew something was wrong with that in seminary. That didn't make good sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. If your seed is going to be blemished being white forevermore, how in the world did we get over here to say Ham was cursed because of the color of his skin? Ham was never cursed because of the color of his skin. The grandson was cursed because of what had taken place with Noah. And so, again, when you misinterpret the content, you have a misguided application of content. And so, uh, I know that the Bible is full of African history, Genesis to Revelation. I, I have no qualms with that. 
I'm just saying that. Let me put it this way. I just don't believe that everything that I read in this presentation is exactly the truth. It may be true, but I think that it's been doctored up to for certain from certain perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sandra said something earlier about Finnish Jenny's date. Uh, I had studied all his books when I was uh, in Bible college, and I knew something was wrong with him because he, he definitely said that the Syrophoenician one was not black. There was no indication that she was black at all. Uh, this is not Syrophoenician Africa. This is Syrophoenician Asia. Some old warped lie that he put in the scripture. Uh, but I knew better than that. And, uh, and image is everything, whether people believe it or not. Uh, I remember watching Good Times as a boy, and uh, J.J. had painted a black Jesus, and uh, Florida Evans, his mother, got mad and said, this is the only Jesus we know because it was a white image. And uh, I don't hope, hope anyone doesn't think I'm prejudiced of being racist, but I'm just saying the truth that it, we've always been inundated with a European culture uh, as far as superiority is concerned. And so I do understand this, this generation uh, being non-religious. They're about movement. This generation is about movement. And they don't see religion as a movement. They see it as an old ancient institution of oppression because we're not out there representing their interests. And we should be out there walking alongside them representing their interests. And I think that we will be able to present why we believe and what we believe. But do we know why we believe and do we, do, do we know what we believe? That's, mm-hmm. I think that's been one of the main issues rather than quoting something we've heard someone else say. You know, we say that uh, Jesus said it's easier for a rich man, uh, it's easier for a camel to go through a house yeah. than, a rich, than yeah. a rich man to enter into heaven. And so I heard people say, well, he was talking about there's a gate in, there's a gate in Israel there's no such thing. If you go to Israel, there's nothing called the eye of the needle. He literally meant that. He, he literally meant that. And then the disciples said, well, who then, Lord, can be saved? Because they all were merchants. They were businessmen. They had money, so they were trying to figure out what did Jesus say. Well, Jesus was saying that they're rich people that will get to a point that they are gods themselves, so they have no need. They feel like they have no need for God. And so, again, content versus content. Mm, all right. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, you're here at T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio here at Rosalind's Corner. I know we have a number of questions on there. I'm trying to get to most of these questions. I can't get them all answered. Do we have a caller from D.C.? Are you there, caller? I think they're just listening in right now, but that's fine. That's very good. That's fine. Um, but I want to tie a couple of these questions into because uh, I think you're, you're tapping into that uh, when we talk about Jesus and his origin. Um, one of the questions was, um, you know, how come black Christians get so upset when you tell them Jesus is black? Why do they want him to be white? And I think <laughs> I, 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 I tapped into that out already, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, um, and then it said, should we as black people, as white people, have their uh, false re- religious creation and we unify and follow the creator? Um, but that's, again, um, you tapped into that as well. Um, then they asked, um, God is real, the, the holy prophets are real, religion is a man's misguided interpretation of fact. Is that true or false? Can you repeat that for me? I didn't get all of it. Can you repeat it's that God, Yeah, they said God, the question was, God is real, the holy prophets are real. Religion is a man's interpretation, man's misguided interpretation of fact. Is that true or false? I say that's false. Because, again, the Word of God says that pure religion is undefiled. Mm-hmm. You know, brushing your teeth every morning is a form of religion. If you're diabetic and you take insulin daily, that's a religion. It's a practice. But an undefiled practice, according to the scripture, which is pure religion, is undefiled. And so I think that we can take a misguided truth and make it into a religion and everybody that follow, follows it is misguided because the person's perception has misguided everyone else's perception because they're looking to this person as the guy. Mm. So I think holistically there's nothing wrong with religion again. I'm going to say that again. I think that I think that God is right. I think the Holy Prophets are right. And I think Jesus is right. Because the Bible says he that hath the son hath the father, he hath the father, hath the son. As you said, no man can come unto the father unless I draw it. Unless the father, no man can come unto the son unless the father draw it. And when he the father, unless he come to the son. So uh, I think that we look, and I'm looking at it from a scholarly perspective, not just a generality of what today's world has uh Define religion as I'm going yes, back to this, I'm going I'm going back to the regional meaning because abuse is abnormal use of something, and so when you abuse a word, you'll get abnormal use of the word. So that's why I'm sticking with content and content. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that we do have some misguided religious practices, yes, but holistically, I think that to follow. The scripture is right. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not trying to impose that on anyone else, but I think if I'm going to follow the gospel, then I believe what the gospel says. Right. Okay, and then there was another question that an individual said. This individual said that I know people who study the Bible, study the Quran, uh, do research externally from the books, but are non-religious or non-religious but are not religious, but believe in the Creator. Is that okay? There's nothing wrong with studying other religions. It's called apologetics. St. Peter used that word, defending the gospel. Apologia in the Greek means to defend. And you can't defend something that you believe in unless you know what somebody else believes in. 
Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. Bible says Daniel had an excellent spirit, and the Bible says Daniel learned by books. He knew all the Chaldean books. He knew all the Babylonian beliefs. He knew all of it. But yet when it came down to it, when they when they formed uh, treason against Daniel by him praying, he still prayed, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He still prayed. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I've studied many religions. I'm intrigued with a lot of religions, but wow, you know, uh, you know, I think that you can learn something from every religion, but I still believe in the true and the living God. That's what differentiates him from any other God. He's the true. What messed everybody up in the Old Testament would mess Abraham up because Abram was his original name. His dad built God, made God out of wood. And what messed him up is that how God got the name of the true and the living God is because he was the only God that spoke that could be heard audibly. And so uh, I believe in the true and the living God, and I believe that. It's okay to study. I believe it's. I believe it's okay to study other religions. Paul, if you if you know anything about Paul's resume, he knew all the religions of the world. Uh, I think uh, he and Apollos they went into an oratorical battle one time, and then Paul realized that hey, I'm getting off course. I'm not coming with the excellency of speech, but I need to come with demonstration in the power. I, the difference between being an orator and being a preacher is that you're supposed to have power. Mm, yes, exactly. Okay, well, you know what? I want to go, I want to, before I wrap, oh, let's see, the Washington, D.C. came back. Let me see if they are still on. You there, Carla from D.C.? Hi. Hello? Hi. Yes. I want to go back a couple steps and Speak about you know you're all been talking about the church and um, okay well let's get, let's get your name and where you're calling from oh I'm sorry my name is Sebastian I'm calling from Chicago oh you calling from Chicago all right yeah. very good all right and what was your question or comment um my comment was um speaking about in today's world that we gotta start educating people when it's coming to the church being not not doing doing stuff that we are the church. And in order, just like, for instance, if someone want to change them, want to change something that's happening with them, they have to start with themselves first in order to change anything. So I hear, I usually hear people say about, you know, the church is weak and the, the community, they're not responding to the church. But, they're not responding to the church because they're not responding to us because we are weak. We go to church every day, but we don't have a prayer life, number one. You was, like, for instance, you got the Muslims, you got Muslims, you got Jewish people. They have about, what, five to, prayer five to six times a day. Mm-hmm. How many times we as Christians pray? Sometimes we say one or two things, you know, maybe one or two things in whatever type of tongue we say it in or whatever, and we think that's praying. But don't get up and really get out there and do, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so, you know what the Bible says? We all seek our own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, it's it's and it's very true what you're saying. I think uh, we've lost that 
uh, that time of prayer and that in that communion with God, uh, the Creator, you know, whomever, how you believe, we believe in the Creator, and I, it's very true. I think, uh, and that was uh, Sandra was sharing that as well, um, that we've become weak and that we need to. Um, uh, really get to that point. We should be at that point. If it depends on our level uh, of our walk in God, are we new uh, believers? We just, you know, just giving our life over. Or have we been uh, serving, calling ourselves serving God for, you know, thirty, forty years? Um, what is our true prayer life, and where, what are we, you know, doing with that? And that's very true. What you're saying, we have to, um, you know, continue in that path. Um, are you a young man? Are you you're a Christian? You go to church? Oh, yeah, I go to church, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm totally committed to God, you know. Yeah. Um, like, you know, you have a house. You have a building that we will call a house. In order for that to become a home, somebody has to take presence in that house, presence in that house, to make that a home. I look at the church the same way. The church is a building. We are a representation of God in that building that make that the church. So if we don't get out there and impact the community, the church will never have a presence in the community. Mm-hmm. And you know what's key right there? Let me let me let me interject right here because the buildings and those four walls, that building is not the church. It's the exactly. people. We are the church. So yeah. when you talk about taking to the community, you're taking the church, the people to the community. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now just like how you preach about how well some people do it but some don't, you preach about tithing. You need to preach about preach the same thing too to impact people's lives so that they won't go here in the community and thinking that, or people in the community thinking that the church is just the building and you don't have any impact, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Exactly. Do you want to share on that, uh, uh, Bishop Terrence, with the young gentleman? Sure. Um, yeah, I think some of the things he said we had discussed earlier, mm-hmm. Uh but in addition to what he said, I, I agree with everything that he said. However, I just want, to, want us to understand something that uh, the Scripture says that the Lord is going to present unto himself. He's not looking for a church, but he's going to present unto himself a glorious church without father, wrinkle, or any such blemish. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's a Palestinian covenant. That's what we call the Hebrew idiom that's in there. That's a, that's a secret past, secret sign in that. Uh, talking about a bride, that she's going to be without spot of blemish or any such wrinkle. Uh, however, it's key that we understand that the Lord, if there is a Lord, and he's going to do what he said he's going to do, he's going to do it with or without us. Where we are now is, uh, there's a song that says, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. And that's not that's up to the Lord, that's left up to us. And so there's going to come a day that's going to be, I believe there's going to be a great gathering, a great harvest. I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about in this land, in this earth. Uh, And I think God is going to do it through young people. I think that a lot of us are going to be left behind that last great surge of movement 
in the community. And I think that I think that we should understand that the Lord is orchestrating a lot of things. He's using things to get our attention to say, "Hey, listen, you know, this is a, this is an opportunity for the believers." Uh, I have some good friends that passed in Chicago. Pastor Charles Jenkins, Pastor Bishop Larry Trial. I know some of those great guys in Chicago. And uh, Chicago is a great mission field. Uh, you can just look at the news and see what's going on there. And I agree with the young man about uh, praying and stuff. But one of the things that needs to do, we need to be praying. And we need to be praying while we're in warfare. We need to be praying while we're in the community. Uh, I know that other religions come together and pray at certain times, but we can pray anywhere. We can pray in our car. And I think he said, I think he said it uh, profoundly. Uh, that we don't have no authority. And I think sometimes we use the word power loosely. We need to let people know that it may not be Christians what we mean by power. We mean by authority. We don't mean speaking in songs, shouting, and dancing. We mean having authority and affluence with people and and being able to help them and being able to pray for them and show our support and open those doors uh, of opportunity because we have a lot to offer as believers. Uh, I think when you're a believer, you have a lot to offer. The Lord has changed your life. It should show. It should be evident. And uh, you shouldn't be so religious-minded until you miss the mission. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we we allow us being in church and growing up in church, you know, uh, I'm not not uncomfortable standing with a man that's drinking a beer. I'm not uncomfortable with a young man smoking a joint while he's talking to me because I don't smoke it so I don't have a problem with him smoking. My job is to reach him. And I think mm. that's what I think that's what we've lost our presence and we've lost our relationship uh holistically. And uh we don't have to give up who we are to win people, but however, we have to we have to be in a position that we can accept everybody no matter what their geographical location is or what their level is we have to understand that the church is a spiritual institution for recovering sinners. That we have to let them know we're still in recovery. We don't always do everything perfect. We don't always do everything right. And we gotta present them to them that Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Lord will lead and guide them and will help them through all of this that they're going through. And he's gonna help them through us. God is never gonna bless a person without the hand of a man. A lady told me one time that she got a miracle that she got a check in the mail for $6,000. And she said, God did it without any man doing it. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Was it a check? She said, yes. I said, do you know someone had to print that check? I said, well, there's a signature on it. She said, yes. I said, did you sign the check and take it to the bank? She said, yes, I did. I said, did you cash the check? She said, yes. I said, well, there were men included in every of your miracle. And he said, I never looked at it like that before. In other words, God wants to use us. He wants to use us to perform miracles for people. Sometimes telling people it's going to be all right and giving them hope is a miracle for them. And I think that's what we we lost. And I think that God is going to allow the church to rekindle that, but I think he's going to use a whole new crew. That's what I believe. I think there'll be some as we call it the remnant, I think there'll be a remnant. But I think God is going to raise up a new generation of people that he's raising them up uh, to do some positive things. 
Very good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bishop. You know, I, I wanted to end with this last question because um, I, I think it kind of um, between that's why um, we, we talk about our foods and what we eat. Um, you know, um, people of the Islam, they don't eat pork. And it says, if God was perfect, how did he make an imperfect creation? And then why, why would God say to eat uh, the flesh of the swine, and then say later to eat uh, anything that I made because what I've created is good. And I think for all those who eat barbecue ribs, pork chops, and uh, all that kind of good stuff, we want you to hone in on because, like you said, God says everything that He's created, created is good. Um, so, what your analogy? Because I know that was in the Old Testament. Okay. Um, well, let me let me let me say something on that. Um, I don't think that um, again content versus context. When the Lord did say everything He made was good and very good, He did say that. Now, if there is a God and He's wise and all He's probably omniscient, I'm not present, omnipotent. Immediately, he knows all things. There's nothing that happens, and that can happen for anything that a person can do that will surprise God. Nothing. If he knows our thoughts before we think them, there's nothing you can do to surprise God. And so God already knew what man would do, even in the Old Testament. Now, I don't know the animal that he told Peter to rise, kill, and eat, because that was not a literal moment. That was a vision. Peter had a vision on the housetop of Cornelius. And you got to understand, you can't take an analogy and use it as a reality. Because the analogy that God gave Peter, that the Lord gave Peter on the rooftop at Cornelius' house that said, rise, kill, and eat, and Peter said, I'm not going to eat this. I'm clean. He said, don't you call. Well, he used the word common, which was unclean. And I, I, I today. He said, I'm not, he said, don't you call common what I told you to eat. It's sanctified. You eat it. Now, when, then when after that happened, Peter said that I perceive that God is in no respect to that person. What you have to understand about Peter, Peter was a starch Jew. Mm-hmm. He had nothing to do with Gentiles. He considered them unclean people. That's what most people miss. So you can't say you can't say that he ate anything unclean because it was only a vision. God used that to show him that the church now was not exclusive of just Jews, but it would be comprised upon. Gentiles and everybody that believed. In other words, Peter was prejudiced, and it had nothing to do with skin color. It had it had something to do with that people that were not Jews. That's why when the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit, God made them lay hands on the Samaritans. The thing that they called unclean, that's how they received the Holy Spirit. There were three baptisms of the Holy Spirit, if you study the scriptures. There was the land on the hand of the Samaritan. Uh, 
the Jews, they received the Holy Spirit after they were baptized, according to the Scripture, because they had to be baptized in the name of the man that they denounced as their Messiah. And then Gentiles received it through faith. It's right there in that same, it's right there in that same area. And so when God is perfect, because that was a vision that he gave Peter as an analogy to show him that he was a no-respected person. In other words, what he was saying, Peter, you got hang-ups, but I don't. I was hung up for your hang-ups. So you need to let that go. Because this is not a social club. This is not for the elite. But salvation is for all that believe. So that wasn't a little act that takes that took place. It's right there in the book of Acts. You'll see that God gave Peter a vision. He did that for a reason. So God resume still stands that he's truthful, and he's not schizophrenic, he's not bipolar. He's a true and he's a living God. All right, very good. Well, I hope that answers that for the, the question that was asked by the by the uh, chat board. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been here at T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio. I know it's got late. Uh, my Sandra, are you still there? Do you have any last comment or question uh, for tonight's show before we close out? Yes, yes, I'm still here. I'm still here. And um, it's... You know, I truly, truly enjoy tonight. And um, even as I heard the questions and I listened to Bishop expound on, you know, the word and truth. And, um, you know, the scripture that just comes to mind is to just study to show yourself approved. We have to study his word, you know, and because so many things were passed down to us. I was sitting here and I was saying part one, we need part two, you know, because even from the Catholic church, things were passed down to us that the, the Christian church, we, we, we conform to and we do it as a, a tradition, but it's not even scripture. You know, so we really, truly, Bishop just encouraged me to, you know, to go back again and to look over the scriptures again. And I'm truly grateful. And I thank you for tonight, Rosin. Awesome, awesome program. You are so welcome. And I want to thank Bishop Terrence for joining us tonight. I really appreciate everything that you've shared with our listening audience tonight. Of course, the show has been recorded. You can go back and listen to the show within the next couple of hours. And you know what? I know people will really, really enjoy what's been shared tonight, uh, all the questions and comments and um, and our young man calling there from um, – I thought it was from D.C., but he says from Chicago. I guess your phone is from D.C. Uh, but uh, we just want to thank you for calling in as well. want to thank Alex for calling in as well. And we just want to let our listeners know you can go to www.t25cl.com, log on to our website, listen to all the great shows that we have. On Monday night, we have Lorenzo Elvis Murphy with Compton Politics. Of course, we have uh, Barbara McGee with Straight Talk from the High. Bush. And you know what? We just have great shows. Great shows. And of course, Bishop, if you don't mind, we would love to do a part two and maybe bring on um, some more individuals and just make it a panel. Okay, that would be great. Amen. Very good. Very good. Thank you so much, Juan. Thank you, Bishop, for joining us as well. Uh, I'm our sister Sandra. And we just want to say um, good night to everyone and be blessed, okay? So good night. Amen. Have a good night. God bless. Good night. Thank you. You're welcome.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.